And a very good morning and welcome to Auto Retail Live, keeping the ball rolling. It is day 17 of lockdown and never in the field of human endeavour have we appreciated our teachers more than when the subject of home learning came to life. Um, I praise you, uh, six weeks in the summer, never again will I make a joke about that. But today uh, in our session, we are taking the opportunity to talk uh, with experts in the industry about automotive retail. Some of the challenges, some of the topics, some uh, hacks and tips. And I'm delighted that our panel today, uh, indeed expert, we have Dash Gupta, uh, the chief executive of Marshall Motor Group, well known. Uh, Stuart Buckley from CallTrack, talking through the issues of uh, telephony, keeping in touch with customers by phone. Uh, Jeremy Evans, the founder of Marketing Delivery. Uh, keeping in touch electronically, making sure uh, customers are in touch and the, the sales and the service messages continue. And most importantly, um, from a legal perspective, there are a number of issues emerging. And Sandra Martins from Radius Law uh, is also with us on the panel. If you would like to send a question through as part of this discussion, there are a number of ways you can do that. Uh, you can see along the bottom or the side of the screen, depending how you are using the webinar today, uh, you can enter a question or you can use the hashtag ARNLive uh, for your, if you're joining us via Twitter. So let's kick off. I'm going to come to Dash first, uh, not least because it's hard to uh, keep Dash quiet for a while. But Dash, uh, a very busy time for you, a lot of dealerships. Can you just give us a, a summary to start the discussion as to how business is, what is actually happening within, within your business? Okay, thank you for that intro, uh, Al. Uh, I'm going to say I much preferred the previous presenter the last time I was on here. Uh, when you're on holiday that time, uh, Al, uh, I'll have to go with Tristan to get the guy back from the BBC. He was far, far more polite. Anyway, um, I think um, uh, what are we seeing on the ground? So, obviously, inquiry levels are materially down. Uh, so, we're typically around about 90% down on most days on inquiry levels. Um, so, that's uh, new and used combined. Uh, we are selling cars. Um, we're selling around about 40 cars per day. Um, some of that's on fleet, some of it's on uh, retail. Uh, but when you look at the interesting thing, when you look on retail, though, the the sort of ratio of used to new, we are normally, last year, we were 1.7 used cars to one new. Um, bizarrely, we're now 8.7 used to one new. Um, I'm sort of thinking, well, is that because we're doing something wrong? Have we not got are we not geared up for new inquiries because we haven't got sales I've been in? Uh, but it's actually the inquiry levels are materially down now. Anecdotally, um, uh, I sort of spoke to a number of uh, my peers in the sector, and they're seeing exactly the same thing. And it could be because consumers like to go into showrooms and decide their new conference. I don't know, but certainly uh, we are seeing a, a, a more weighting towards sales being used rather than new at the minute which I think is quite helpful because clearly we've got stock on the floor that we need to think about. Um, and then in terms of our after-sales operations, we have left we've got 132 operations. We've got 62 of our operations open uh, as strategic after-sales points uh, with a skeletal staff, but we are only doing uh, breakdowns uh, and uh, essential work for key workers or vulnerable people. We are not doing uh, anything like service work, et cetera, because we think that... Um, um, that's not essential at this time. And so we're very much in line with the spirit of what the government's trying to do. Uh, but again, as you can imagine, uh, they're very, very quiet as a result of that. Dash, you mentioned a point there that you are providing service for key workers only and, and sales, physical sales, um, are, are not happening. Well, yesterday we had news from the BVRLA who, who published uh, their statement, um, and they were calling, obviously as a, a fleet organisation, uh, they were calling for deliveries um, and vehicles to be uh, unlocked and move forward. And, the, and the, the, the joint statement there with an SMNT and, and the um, FLA were providing um, that comment. So there seems to be some some difference here with, with some saying, yes, it's okay to be out there uh, dealing with non-urgent inquiries and others saying, no, we shouldn't. What, what's your perspective? I think, I think handling inquiries is one thing. So we are open for business digitally. We are open for business on the phone. So if you're as you made reference to the BVRLA and um, SMT, if you want to buy a new car from us, you can buy a new car from us. If you want to order a fleet car, you can order a fleet car. In fact, we sold 15 yesterday. So we are open for business. Um, 
it then comes down to how do you fulfill that to delivery? Uh, and that is something at this minute in time that we're not doing. I know there's been the guidance that we talked about, some people calling to uh, start doing deliveries. Um, I haven't had the benefit of seeing the full um, release that you just put there, um, Al, but I did see a sort of snippet of it yesterday. And the snippet that I saw talked about hauliers, uh, logistics, transportation, uh, unless I missed it, which I could have done. Um, I didn't see anything in that communication explicitly said car dealerships should be releasing cars for people because the, the key issue here is around uh, do you go in the spirit of what the government is trying to do, which is basically have a lockdown, uh, which is certainly the approach we're taking, um, or do you start to say, well, okay, uh, you know, transportation of car is essential. And, and it's, it's, it's a judgment at the end of the day. My personal view, and I know um, that of the vast majority of the CEOs of the big groups who sit on a sort of twice a week call with the NFDA, the vast majority of the view there is it's not essential at this point in time. There is that there is that sense of, of soon and too soon and where we go. I think you've answered the question, but um, Luke Stork from Sandycliffe said, obviously you're selling, but you're not delivering. I think I think you, you're clear about that, that you, you, you yep. take the sale, but, but you can't deliver the vehicle at this stage. Yeah. OK, yeah, let's move on. Uh, thanks, Dash. Stay with us because um, there are a number of issues that are that are emerging from this, um, from from this whole issue. And I think I'd like to to turn to to, to uh, Sandra actually at this point because we we talked a lot about furlough uh, and and people say, oh, furlough eighty percent. Um, you know, we've got some, we've got funding, things are okay. But Sandra, from a from a legal perspective, I guess furlough addresses the money. Uh, but where does it help us in terms of law and employment and, and those elements? Thank you. Um, it's a very good question. Um, it is basically just an arrangement between the employer and HMRC to try and reclaim some of the salary and wages they're paying to their staff. It doesn't suddenly make employment law disappear uh, and uh, normal rules, employment rules will apply. And most of you will be aware that employment law covers quite a few rights. And you need to make sure that whenever you are uh, putting people on furlough, that you get their consent to that. Um, it, some of you may have layoff clauses already, so you may not necessarily need the consent to furlough them, but you certainly need a consent to reduce pay. And although there's been good news over the weekend uh, from government in terms of what can be included in the wages when you're calculating the 80% you can claim back, um, for the retail, uh, uh, for uh, the motor retail industry, it's particularly important that it, you can now include a contractual uh, commission that you would normally would have paid to your um, to your sales staff. Um, however, uh, that is subject still to the cap of 80% or uh, two and a half thousand pounds per employee per month. And for quite a few of your salespeople, they will have been on uh, overall wages will be over and above 30,000 per year. Um, so there will still be a significant reduction in pay. And that must always be agreed with the individual. That's the fun most fundamental term of employment is that you get paid for the work you do. Uh, I know they're not doing any work now, uh, but they are available and willing to work. And that means that they should be paid. And you can only pay a lower rate if you get their agreement. Um, so you don't forget that you still need to follow normal rules of employment law when you're dealing with your staff. And also that goes as far as uh, when you're making decisions as to who you furlough. Um, so you shouldn't um, try not to discriminate when you're deciding who should fur be furloughed and who should not be furloughed. Um, you know, the, it's basically a business decision and you should sit down and think carefully, who do you need to work at this stage? Um, is it possible that you can alternate between people being on furlough? So if you have a team of 50 um, and you need 10 people at any one time to be providing services to your clients, then you can uh, set up teams and alternate between them, provided that each uh, period of furlough lasts at least three consecutive weeks. So there's a lot to consider. It's not just the uh, matter of going back to HMRC and asking them to repay some of the costs, uh, the wage costs that you are suffering. 
Let, let's stick with furlough for a second, because there are a couple of questions, if I put them together. One, one is th this issue of can employers ask workers to take holiday um, uh, in, in, in the furlough context? Um, and the second one is, what if the 80% um, payment takes you below the minimum wage? How, how do you answer that? T two questions. Well, the holiday uh, issue is a tricky one. Uh, the uh, government guidance, guidance sorry, is completely silent on holiday, which is very unhelpful for every business because that's one of the main concerns. Um, obviously, you want to be able to, um, you know, on the one hand, allow people to take proper time off and enjoy their holiday and rest. Uh, furlough period is not going to be a particularly restful period, especially, you know, the children are at home, you have all these worries about money. Um, and uh, on the other hand, you don't want to suddenly find yourselves, uh, say everything goes back in, to normal in September and you've got all these people accruing holiday during the furlough period and you don't have time for them to take in the rest of the holiday year. Uh, now, there's some help on that point. So if people are not able to take holiday um, leave uh, in that year uh, because of COVID, then they are allowed to take carry over at least um, four weeks into the next two uh, annual leave years. That, that was a change introduced by the government very recently. Mm -hmm. In terms of whether you can ask somebody to take holiday whilst they're on furlough, there is no answer to that question yet. Uh, we, the hope is that that will be updated very soon. In fact, we're, we're in crazy times where um, legislation is being changed by guidance and we're getting advice from HMRC customer services. So, for example, there was a lawyer that contacted HMRC uh, customer services a few days ago via Twitter uh, and asked what would happen now with bank holidays because does that break furlough uh, um, and there's Friday and Monday coming up um, you know uh, what what do we do uh, and uh, the, somebody at HMRC customer services said that um, that uh, bank holidays should be honored as always as usual we won't break furlough and people should be paid at their normal pay they would have been received for those days uh, and that on top of that people should be able to take holiday as well and be paid their normal pay for that which is different to the furlough payment you may mm. be making um, now the guidance hasn't been updated to show this um, this is just somebody in customer service has hopefully been advised by somebody higher up that this is the case. But what we anticipate is the guidance will be uh, updated very shortly uh, to cover this point. I mean, you, if people are not on furlough, you can obviously uh, ask them to go on leave to use up some of their holiday. Uh, you just need to make sure that you give double the amount of notice uh, in relation to the number of holidays they want them to take. So if you want them to take a week uh, week's holiday, you need to give two weeks notice. But there's no clarity yet on that point. I think people can choose to go on holiday themselves. Whether you can demand that they go on holiday, we still need to hear from government on that. The whole area, is, it's amazing, isn't it? It seems clear and then it becomes grey. Sandra, stay with us because the, 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 there, are, there are a couple more questions, particularly about redundancy and furlough. We'll come back to in a minute. But um, we'll change tack slightly. We'll, we'll come to Stuart um, from Call Track. Phones, technology, um, putting together online meetings, keeping in touch with customers by, by telephone. Um, that's part of your business, Stuart. How, how are we doing as a, as a sector in terms of making sure the calls are still coming in and we're handling the inquiries? Uh, yeah, I think a lot better in the last in the last couple of weeks. Um, we've, we've been quite busy um, moving moving phone calls around. Um, we're finding some people having trouble with their phone system to reprogram it to get calls to a different destination, perhaps a homeworker's mobile phone or something like that. Um, so when I say we, the telecoms industry as a whole, I think have been uh, you know, rerouting calls, setting up IVRs, you know, the press one, two, three, uh, all that sort of stuff to, to make sure the calls are moved around. Um, I would like to say if you are struggling with your calls, do please speak to your telecom provider because we have, you know, we've got a virtual phone system in the telef telephony network. We can put calls anywhere. When I, again, when I say we, I mean the, the industry as a whole. So, you know, do reach out to your providers, do speak to them because we can, you know, make sure that you're still speaking to your, your customers wherever possible. The, the track bit of call track, uh, your business sort of looks to see how people are following up. And I guess 
in this time? Are people following up? Are, are we seeing you know people being uh, you know given the call back as expected? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're monitoring. So with our dynamic numbering, we're able to see where people are within a website when they're phoning. So we can see they're looking at a specific new or used vehicle or a certain area of the website. Um, a lot of these calls perhaps aren't getting through. They're getting played messages to say the dealership to close. So what we're as businesses doing to try and help is uh, we're daily giving our clients a list of the people that have called and you know the vehicles or the pages within the website they've called from, allowing them to go back and say, look, you know, we sorry we didn't get to you. Here's a bit more information if you're interested in the car. Yeah, I appreciate deliveries an issue at the moment, but people are still selling vehicles, which is great to keep uh, keep things going. Um, so yeah. And, and are we seeing it? There's, there's a whole load of um, <laughs> armchair experts or online experts saying, you know, the world <coughs> is going to change and business is going to change and COVID-19 has been transformational. But I guess it's forced people to maybe think about using technology and telephony in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's almost, you know, we've been talking to people about changing the way that their hunt groups work and how we deliver calls to destinations and extensions. Can we do multiple things? You know, there's always been a lot of trip hazards with, oh, well, the phone system needs to do that, this and the other. You know, at this stage, people are just saying, I'm sure you mentioned something about hunt groups and ringing people. Can we just get that implemented? So I think people are going to be slightly more afraid to try new things out. And perhaps, you know, I mean, homeworking, certainly from the people I'm talking to, seems to be working, working pretty well because the technology allows you to make sure that they are doing the job you're asking them to do. Jeremy, your your um, business covers um, contacting online <coughs> calls and, and keeping people in touch uh, once they've started it. I guess there were a number of conversations that, that, that retailers have had with customers in February and March um, that obviously haven't they haven't been able to move forward. So what's the guidance and advice when you've got a customer you're engaged with um, you can't deliver a car to? Uh, I guess in short, it's, it's stay engaged with them. Um, so if they if they wanted a car at the end of February or on March the 12th or whatever, then they, they probably still want that car now. But as Dash says, they can't have it delivered at the minute. So we we are uh, working with our, our clients um, and our dealers to to keep them in touch with, with those customers um, through email, um, a little bit of SMS, but predominantly email. Um, and um, just yeah, just just keeping that 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 communication line open, um, so so that the customers do know that 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 the dealership will will look after them once uh, once everything gets back to normal, whenever that may be, um, which seems to be a phrase which we which we're all using a lot more than than we used to, whenever that may be. Um, but yeah, certainly keeping them in touch. You know, the data is there to tell you where these people were in that inquiry cycle and and, and how serious they, how serious they were. So, um, so using the tech and the data together to to keep in touch with those people and just keep them informed. All people want to know really is is what what it means for them. Um, so rather than complete radio silence from their dealership, um, any form of communication which which just stays in touch and and keeps them up to date with what's happening is is welcome. Mark Berwick. Uh, good morning, Mark. Thank you for getting in touch with us here at Auto Retail Live. Um, how do I let my customers know I'm still open for business digitally, but also being sensitive to the current situation? I, my phrase yeah. is Corona spam. I personally, I, I think with Corona on the, the heading tends to get pushed to one side, but it's a fair question from Mark. Yeah, it's the rise of the virtual dealership, isn't it? So, so the physical dealership is, is closed, but the virtual dealership is open. Um, so for, for people whose data you already hold and for people who are already in an active inquiry, who you've got consent to use them, then um, you know, email um, and, and any of the automation tools that are out there to, to, to help facilitate keeping up with lots of people with relatively few um, staff members available. Um, but also social media, the, the, the amount of time people are spending on social media now is, is through the roof. Um, so we're seeing good engagement um you have to change the tone uh, of what's said um on on, on social uh, media so it's not about being a direct selling person now because that will uh, that will get people's backs up but actually making it plain that the uh, the virtual showroom is available for people to look around uh, and inquire through even though the physical dealership is shut um you know we've had some clients who have 
um, actually come on with our um, uh, social stock is our product name for, for Facebook stock ads that, that we run. And we, we've had some clients turn that on, even though their physical dealerships are shut because they want a way of keeping themselves in front of potential uh, potential purchases so that the pipeline for them when they can open the doors again um, is is as full as it can be. Um, you know, it's a movable feast. We don't know when that point will come, but if we can keep the pipeline uh, as full as possible, then um, then it does mean when the doors do reopen, there's uh, there's people there ready to ready to, to interact and transact. Businesses obviously have, have, there's a time to ramping up. I mean, we'll come back to Dash in a second. I mean, he seemed to move at lightning speed to 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 manage a business at that scale. But there is time to ramp up, and, and as Sandra said, there's time needing if you furloughed people to get started again. So. Take a real example then, um, uh, Jeremy, you know, you engage with a customer, maybe you've got a service booking, maybe you had a service booking for the 15th of uh, April or something. Um, When should you be rebooking that? Should you put a date in the diary and rebook it or or just? I don't think so so at the moment. I think um, communicating obviously to that customer that that date is not going to be fulfilled and that you will keep in touch with them to advise them when it can be fulfilled, but then seeing through on that promise to make sure you do go back to the customer on it. So, you know, we are sending messages out to to customers of dealerships, advising them that service bookings next week and, and the week after will be postponed and that the dealerships or the group will be back in touch with them in due course to, to rearrange that. Equally, where the standard service reminder process is going on, where it's been left on, is the tone has been changed to say, we'll talk to you about your maintenance that's required, but we can't take your booking at the moment. We will keep in touch with you. you know, the data is there for us to hold and know who's who was to your service and couldn't have it done during the current crisis. So the key will be how quickly we can switch that data back on once we've got the all clear to to open the doors again. Stay with us, Jeremy. Dash, thinking about customers now, um, there have been a, a lot of reactions. A lot of businesses have got themselves ready. They've put messages on websites. Um, there's been some questions asked that said, well, does a message on a website help you if you're not quite sure what to do about it? What about the scenario where maybe a customer is now facing uncertainty financially, you know, nobody quite knows how long it's going to go on. How are you, how are you dealing with that within within your business? So specifically for customers, I, mean, I think most of the manufacturers, and I just said before, I think I completely concur with everything Jeremy said. That's I mean, all the stuff Jeremy said is exactly what we've done around social media, emailing customers, um, absolutely spot on. That's exactly what we've been doing. Uh, I think in terms of customers' financial situations, um, I think, uh, most of the finance companies are uh, allowing um, holidays for payments, extensions, etc. Um, so I think that's certainly helping a lot of our customers. Um, so I think, and actually I'm not quite optimistic because what I think you expect to see is a bit of a bounce back because these customers in the main, if you think about new car customers, I mean, for the last five years we've averaged about 82% penetration of PCP. So these customers are in an event-driven transaction. They need mobility. They are in a situation where they've got to either hand the car back and walk, which is, you know, not ideal, uh, write a checkup for the uh, balloon payment or go again. And so I do think there will be a demand for that because if you think about it, if this is going to be two, three months where we're in lockdown, all of those customers have got to come back uh, and do something. Plus, we will have a lot of people who potentially cancel their orders in We've seen quite a bit of that at the because uh, of the March timing, uh, who potentially will come back as well. So, I think the from what I'm seeing, manufacturers are behaving incredibly positively towards customers. Uh, the finance companies are uh, behaving incredibly responsibly. So, um, you know, I think hopefully that gives you some comfort that um, you know from a customer perspective they should be okay from a financial perspective and they're going to payments. Um, totally, I think you've seen other. Um, sectors are doing the right thing, so be that mortgage holidays, etc. But um, there's, there's a lot going on out there. The message seems to be communicate. You know, if in doubt, keep keep communicating, keep the conversation going. And if there's a problem, at least you're you're in the conversation rather than sitting there hoping it's going to go away. Yeah. Dash, how is how is it managing? the number of sites and the number of people and keeping people engaged. If, you, if you've got a whole lot of people furloughed, they're, they're busy doing other things. But obviously, there is there is a thing around your own brand as a company that, that involves keeping people together. How, how do you deal with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun. Um, I'm normally, uh, I normally 
probably 150 percent as a person in terms of the hours I do. I'd say I'm probably doing 200 percent now. So uh, certainly not certainly not getting furloughed time. That's for sure. Um, I think um, we've been really really uh, conscious about our employer brand. I was just picking up some of the comments that I made earlier around some of the, the legislation. It's quite difficult to navigate through this. It's quite difficult to to know when the right thing or, or what the right things are to do because as Sandra said, absolutely spot on. Some of it, the guidance isn't clear. Some of it doesn't even comment on anything, such as the holidays, another good example. Uh, and even when they do comment, the words are open to interpretation. Uh, you know, for example, it talks about compulsory commissions, but then it goes on to subsequently say discretionary bonuses and commissions shouldn't be included. So there's a lot of grey area, a lot of confusion. You'll speak to one lawyer, they'll say one thing, another lawyer will say another thing. So trying to manage and navigate through that because ultimately your employees are watching this all being played out on social media with different people uh, giving their, their own perspectives on it. It's quite difficult. I think our starting point first and foremost is uh, we've, um, you know, we've been at a great place to work status for 10 years in a row, uh, five years in a row, ranked in the best companies to work from the UK. Um, so we've got a really good employee culture and our starting point is, okay, we'll do what's right for our people. So, just to give you an indication of that, we made the decision to close our operations uh, on the weekend before Boris instructed the country to do that. And we communicated that to our organisation. I think we were the first group to make that decision and come out with it publicly. We announced that to the stock exchange before Boris instructed us all to shut down. And we just felt that was a big call, big call to shut the operations down. But as I said earlier, you know, the health and well-being of our uh, colleagues and our customers had to be the number one priority. So uh, that was an important thing. Um, that we did. We also then realised very quickly how are we going to keep in communication with our people. So uh, we have got furloughed around four thousand people right now. Uh, but of course, you know these are people who are going to want to know uh, what's going on and always going to feel isolated. So we uh, amazingly, in less than twenty-four hours, captured four thousand and eighty-two email addresses for people at uh, their, their private email addresses. So in the last three and a half weeks. Uh, we as a management team have done six videos. So we do twice a week, one on a Tuesday, uh, which I do, one on a Thursday, which another senior member of the management team will do. So uh, Rich, our CFO's uh, on this evening, and he's talking about some of the things that we can do and point, or pointing colleagues in the right direction of what's available to them in terms of um, access to financial support. So be that mortgage holidays, be that have you considered, you know, shopping on comparethemarket.com to reduce your costs uh, on uh, insurances so we're just trying to help them and communicate with them um that has gone down incredibly incredibly well with our people um every time we send an email communication i'll probably get about 200 emails back um because uh, it's done by video asking for feedback and, and we're getting great feedback from our people so i think we are from our perspective we're keeping our colleagues you know super engaged and i think that's really important i think they really appreciate it because you know, at, this, at this time, they're worried. They're worried about their loved ones. They're worried about themselves. They're worried about their financial position. Have I got a job to go to? Um, you know, I think there's, there's a whole load of people as well who are kind of uh, in this kind of no man's land as well because the sort of furlough um, dates kicked in on 28th of February. So there's a whole load of people who are currently maybe on notice period who don't know what that, what's going to happen to them. And certainly a lot of people who have left us gone to work for other employees, employers, 90% of them have had their jobs rescinded. So they're now, you know, completely stuck. So I think that engagement piece is really important. I'm, I'm really pleased with what we as a management team are doing, but I, and I would really encourage um, anyone who's looking at this to really consider what communication they're doing, because some of the comms I've seen as well, some people are lonely, they're living it on their own. Um, you know, one or two of our colleagues have, um, um, you know, are, are scared, you know, and that, that is the language that's being used. I mean, um, I'm sitting two miles away to share it, but I think I probably will share it. You know, uh, we've got two or three colleagues who have also said they'd be potentially suicidal. You know, so um, I think we've got a responsibility as leaders right now to do the right thing by people. And I think how, I think the other thing for me is, you know, when you listen to, it's quite ironic, isn't it? Everyone moans when they're at work. You know, oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Actually, do you know what? It's completely the other. Everyone thinks, I can't wait to, to get come back to work. You know, because it's, a, it's such an uh, important part of our life, isn't it, in terms of the amount of time we spend at work. So I would just say to people, think about how your colleagues are feeling right now, because a big part of their life is now not in their life right now. Anything that you can do to communicate with them has got to be a good thing. You're watching Auto Retail Live.
we provide fortnightly webinars talking to executives and experts in the industry. Um, delighted to be talking here today uh, with Dash. Um, question that has come in following uh, the, the point you made about sales, um, that you may be selling uh, but not delivering, but what about proposing finance? Is that something that you can still do um, in, in, in the current environment? Uh, yeah, we can do that still. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it very much varies by manufacturer and by brand uh, and finance company. But yeah, we are taking uh, finance proposals. We are uh, submitting those to the finance company, but it's it's very brand specific. And obviously, with 132 operations, we've got 24 brands. So as I said, you know, uh, it's it's very hit and miss. Um, I'd like to come back to Sandra uh, on some of the, the, the people um, issues. And as Dash talked there, there's, there's issues about managing uh, people appropriately and sensitively at this time. Um, Sandra, do you expect um, there's going to be a furlough audit um, at the end of this? Do you think when things finally get back to some form of, of parity, we're, we're going to have reviews and people picking over decisions that were made? It's quite possible, yes. I mean, it's hard to predict how far people might question how the employers treated them. But just going back before answering your question, Al, um, I absolutely uh, concur with everything that Dash was saying in terms of uh, keeping your communication going with your staff and providing support. Um, there are um, duties of care that employers owe to their employees, both under the contract of employment in terms of health and safety legislation, uh, and now additional ones imposed by uh, the guidance that the government has uh, issued on public health. Um, and it's extremely important to keep in touch with them and try and keep that conversation going, um, you know, give them a call on the phone or try and make, uh, you know, create uh, regular meetings online. Uh, all the things that Asher suggested are fantastic examples of how to manage your um, your employees uh, during this really difficult time. Uh, don't forget that all your duties towards your employees will continue to apply, and you need to be very supportive. Uh, and don't also forget your HR staff; they'll be going, <laughs> they'll be very stressed at the moment. Um, now, going back to your question. Um, I suppose it depends on when when we start going back to normal. I think most employees would just be um, mostly grateful if they've kept their jobs. Um, but, you know, an employer cannot function without their staff. And if you've been good to them during furlough or in any other type of leave you put them on, uh, they will be loyal to you and they'll stay on. Um, uh, so, you know, just think carefully about that. Yeah, so completely, completely, completely agree with that, Andrew. You know, you'll be judged how you behave in this time right now. And you'll be judged externally with customers, you'll be judged with your employees. Absolutely. What's the process, Sandra, in terms of onboarding back? It's a question from PJ Stevens. Good afternoon, PJ. What's the process for kind of reboarding, sort of re-onboarding people when they've been through that? Is it, is it a simple document or is there more to it? Well, you, uh, when you put people on furlough, you should have um, reached a written agreement with them, preferably, that uh, stated how long they're going to be on furlough. Now, that's not necessarily possible in most cases. Some, uh, there are lots of different types of furlough agreements doing the rounds online. Um, quite a few of them just say, we anticipate putting on furlough until X date, but that could be extended. Um, I, the main thing is that employers need to keep things under review, and I would check that every two weeks at minimum uh, as to whether these people need to be on furlough or not, uh, and then keep communicating with them. It can be uh, an email, can be a phone call uh, to say where it furlough is continuing until further notice. Um, in terms of how much notice you give if you want to bring people back, that's something that should have been addressed in the original furlough agreement you reached with your staff. Um, so ideally, you would have said how much notice you're going to give them. I know that sometimes it won't be possible to give much notice, so you could the furlough agreement could have just said, I'll give you a week, then in which case you need to comply with that. Uh, if you, uh, it just said, we'll contact you within 24 hours, you comply with that as well. Um, when they do come back, 
uh, and you ask them to return, it should be a communication with them, uh, which can, should be in writing and should go on their personal file to make sure that that was an instruction given. Um, given that people are working from home, it would be good to have also back that up with uh, uh, you know, a com direct communication if you can call them. Uh, and and confirm that uh, if you send by email make sure that you put a delivery and a read receipt on uh, your emails as well um, but preferably try and make sure that everybody know, has the message uh, has received it and is ready to come back um, you may need to allow for some personal circumstances where some people may not be able to get you know to turn uh, back to work in 24 hours notice but you know that's something you need to to deal with case by case. Um, once they're back, don't forget that this is a furlough is just a temporary change to the terms and conditions. Once they're back, they're back to their normal um, employment uh, contract benefits and salary and uh, wages and everything else. So you need to honor the original contract when they're back at work. You're watching Auto Retail Live, um, addressing some of the practical questions and tips uh, as we deal uh, in the retail sector with the challenges presented by COVID-19. Um, question for Stuart. I'm going to jump back in and thinking now about um, tracking of calls. Is it possible to pass customers between different staff? I'm, I'm sure the answer is yes, but one retailer here is asking about the sales resulting from after sales in particular. Uh, what do you mean, passing a call between staff? Or? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, we have the technology as, as, tele, as uh, telecoms industry. Um, probably something that needs to be enabled on the account. It really depends on a case by case basis how stuff sets up. But um, certainly, you know, with things we do, you can hit a button and transfer the call across to a different person. Um, I suppose the other thing is, if you can't do that, grab a number. You know, email it across to your colleague, text it, WhatsApp it, whatever you can do. I think in these times you just got to kind of go uh, by the seat of your pants in the, in the case of uh, certain things to keep it going. And of course, things like GDPR and managing data don't go away. <laughs> They're not no. suspended because of uh, the, the challenges no. we're facing. No, and, and interestingly, actually, one of our clients, uh, thanks for mentioning GDPR, it reminds me, um, we had uh, a couple of questions coming in saying, look, you know, if, if a customer calls into the business, are we okay to actually call them back? Well, from back in the days when GDPR was just coming out, we asked the lawyers these questions, and the answer is absolutely yes. If the customer is initiating the contact to you, then you're fully within your rights to get back to them. It might be worth making sure that they're happy for you to follow them up at a later date if you can't engage with them currently, just to tick a box. But, um, yeah, if they contact you, you're good to contact them back. Um, interesting point that Dash started to raise, and, and again, you know, Dash and I have known each other a few years, so we joke, uh, but there was a real sense of tone uh, and appropriateness in the way that Dash was talking about some sensitive issues there. Jeremy, thinking about communication with customers, there's a balance here about, you know, in retail, we're selling cars. And so a customer wants to understand where they are with the retail, but there's also room for humanity in here. Where's the, where's the balance in that communication uh, when we're, we're engaging with customers? Uh, yeah, um, one of the biggest things that, that we as a business have had to do over the last couple of weeks is change the tone of the messages um, and the, the, the social media posts, uh, emails, etc. that we've, we've been sending out because uh, it's not about the immediate call to action anymore. It's about the we're keeping in touch with you to keep you informed about what's going on. We haven't forgotten you as a customer and either your inquiry or your service and maintenance needs we'll keep in touch with you we'll let you know when we can when we can get back to you and, and kind of return to some kind of business as normal so yeah my, my, my team have been have been working flat out kind of rewriting uh, emails rewriting sms's and and repositioning social media activity around around that to make it you know just complete change of, of tone really from that uh, that here and now call to action to a bit more of um yeah we're just We've got your back. We're keeping in touch with you. We're, you know, we're, we're, we we know who you are and what you need. And rest assured, we'll we'll look after you as best we can now, and as as soon as we can when when we get back to business as normal. And I guess there's a level of communication as well. There's always over communicating or under communicating from from Dash's perspective. From talking to staff, uh, it's important to keep the, the the team momentum going. But is it the same for yeah. customers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think you can necessarily under communicate at the moment. Um, I, I think 
from the certainly from the customer replies that we see from the 400 dealers that we that we look after, um, customers are overwhelmingly appreciative of messages about. Um, we will be getting back to you on when we can get your service and MOT done. Um, even the fact that the physical dealership is closed, but you can still, if you haven't, if you haven't made your mind up on what car you wanted before we shut down, you can still look at our stock online. So, um, very few customer replies have been negative in terms of why are you contacting me when we're in lockdown. Shouldn't you be, you know, leaving us alone? Because of the change of tone in those communications, um, with them being far more, as I said, helpful, we've got your back. Um, the overwhelming majority of customer replies are positive, and, and, and indeed on on servicing, you know, we are we are seeing people want to make bookings for May and June and, and onwards. Um, you know, managing the expectation on that as to whether that can be fulfilled or not. Certainly, bookings can be penciled in with most dealerships, and uh, and as long as the communication process is there to either reconfirm those or repostpone those as necessary, then customers just want that peace of mind to know that, okay, if they are open in May, at least I'm booked in. Um, and if they're not, okay, we'll move it, we'll move it to June or, or wherever it needs to be. So um, far better than radio silence and just turning everything off because the doors are closed, um, actually ramping up the, the communication channels to keep people in touch. But the tone has to be right. It can't be a, a traditional call to action tone. It has to be a helpful and, uh, and and just keeping you informed, keeping you know reassuring tone. Can, can I add a little um, bit to that? Can I ask him one, one thing? To, a few of our clients have said that when when they have sent these things out, there is a bit of a, a reach back from the client. So I think also if you are going to send it, maybe sort of send it over a stage of time so that if people do come back with questions at least you can deal with them and not sort of swamp yourself a couple of clients have just said you know we did it for everybody and wow you know it's a near big response we couldn't handle so then they're now doing it much slower so just a yeah as you say we, we we've tweaked a lot of the automated comms so somebody who would get a service reminder 45 days before that service is due they'll still get it but so rather than email everybody who's going to be due a service at once and as you say get swamped if it's done on a daily basis it's just drip fed out um, then you know it, it's it's more manageable, especially when there are less people in uh, uh, you know, on hand to be able to, to handle that that incoming return. You're watching Auto Retail Live. We're addressing some of your questions and thoughts. Uh, hashtag ARN Live. If you're following on Twitter, continue the conversation uh, afterwards. Um, a couple more questions. We'll probably got three or four minutes um, before we draw to close. But um, I'd like to return to Dash um, and on the Dash Cam. Um, what's your view looking forward to the market in second half? I know crystal ball gazing is 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 you know is it useful? Is it not? But there must be some sense as to maybe how we're looking for the second half of the year and and going forward. What, what's your view, Dash? I think crystal ball um, fair assessment out. No, nobody knows. I mean, I think um, you know I'm sort of tracking data in uh, China in. Uh, Italy and Spain, um, you know, just to sort of get a sort of head start to think what's going to happen. Um, some people have got a view you could see a coronavirus bounce uh, and be really, really busy. Um, I think that's possible, uh, given the fact that you'll have all of these customers who would have bought in Q2 uh, that are probably going to get pushed into Q3. Q3 is normally quite busy anyway, particularly around September time. Um, so... I, I think you could see a bounce back. I think also don't forget the MOT thing's interesting because MOTs have been delayed for six months as well. Um, so, you know, trying to think about how you're going to deal with this is going to be quite interesting to plan. So, um, you know, Jamie and John, who's head up our operations, are we thinking about this? What's the plan? How are we going to resource it? What's the marketing? Uh, but then you also have some people who've got a view that you might see a sort of a slower recovery. Um as people just sort of get may have anxiety about actually, are we really through COVID nineteen? Because equally, some people are sort of saying, well, you could see a, a, second, a sort of second wave. So it's, it, it is a judgment, um, you know. And I think for me, you know, I think anybody who sort of says it's going to do this, the other is is kidding themselves really, because nobody really knows. But I think all of it is a judgment. And one of the things we we do uh, is we track the data uh, really, really closely to help us make educated, data driven decisions. Um, but it's it's something that we've never never had to deal with. I think you know somebody said to me the other day, you know, how how are you handling this situation? I think certainly uh, one of the things um, that I sort of feel helped me was having gone through the financial crisis as a CEO. Um, you know, you straight away on to write cash, stocks, debtors, um, 
you know, so there's things that you can do because you've got the experience. But with this, no one has the experience of it really. But, you, but I think you can make educated guesses. Uh, that, that question, by the way, is uh, Neil Hooper, Alan Motor Group. Thank you, Neil. Um, Simon, Simon Oldfield, um, ask the question about regionality. Um, th this idea that the, that there seems to be emerging, there are various regions in the UK that are that are um, affected in different ways. Is there any sense of a kind of regional strategy for for, for retail and service at the moment? I mean, because again, you've got a, a regional spread, Dash. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I think I don't think I, um, I don't think there's enough data to make a conclusion at this point in time. For example, you know I'm still baffled by this 8.7 use to one U at the minute. I just can't get my head around it. As I said, I've got some views on it, but um, I think the, the, the danger we're trying to come to conclusions with such data is always it's always dangerous. So um, you know I want to see more data really, but there um, again instinctively. You would like to think, in terms of people who have got the ability to recover from this financially faster, you'd like to think people in these sort of more affluent demographics potentially could recover faster because, of course, it's to do with disposable income, isn't it? So you could think, does the South recover faster than the North? Question mark. Who knows? Um, but I guess we'll see over time. Sandra, there's a question here, which could also cover Dash, but I'll come to you first, if I may, in terms of um, paying furloughed salesmen in April. Now, Dash and the, the law has, has talked about commission being included, but um, should it be average commission or March actual commission, do you think, from a legal perspective? Well, uh, that is a very good question because... Uh, um, the guidance doesn't follow general accepted employment law uh, and how you calculate a week's pay or somebody's wages. Um, so it makes things very confusing. So potentially a salesperson can fall under two, one of two categories, under somebody who receives a salary. That's one of category. For those people, you look at what their um, salary was as of 28th of February this year. Um, uh, I, my uh, view, and I think it's shared by everybody, is that you would include in that salary whatever element of commission you paid in that month, uh, and then you apply the cap of eighty percent or two and a half thousand pounds. But there's an alternative because their pay does vary from month to month, uh, and you can use a different calculation, which is either the uh, last twenty nineteen uh, March twenty nineteen salary or uh, the average over 12 months in the last financial year, uh, whichever of those is the highest. Um, now, which one do you take? That's a good, is a question that hasn't been answered. Because, uh, um, you know, the average over last financial year may be higher than what your salesman received in February um, this year. Um, uh, which one you should use is is, uh, is a tricky question to answer. Uh, I think in most cases your um, salespeople will be probably above the cap of two and a half thousand pounds, in which case it wouldn't make any difference, but it may make a difference to some of them. Um, I'd say you could take the view that because the pay varies, you look at the average over the previous year. Sandra, uh, Al, can I, Al, 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 can I come in there? Um, yeah, I think I think uh, I, I didn't realize I didn't know Sandra was going to be on this. Forgive uh, uh, me, but it's really really helpful because what Sandra's absolutely identified there as an expert in HR uh, employment law is the challenges that people are navigating right now with the government guidance because uh, the government guidance was only updated on Saturday morning from memory uh, in terms of to talk about commissions, but again, I completely concur with Sandra's view. There are different ways that you could interpret it. You could go down the averaging route, you could go down, well, no, it's capped at two and a half grand. Uh, what we have said, um, and certainly before the communication came out on Saturday, is we will pay, and the decision we took as a, as a good employer, um, we said we would pay not 80%, we would pay 90% because we felt we wanted to support our colleagues, okay? Appreciate not every company can do that, but we're you know reasonably strong. Um, so we we basically said we wanted to support our employees to ninety percent of their basic. We also said we would pay one hundred percent of the commissions that they had earned and on vehicles delivered in the month of March, recognising it's generally a bumper month. 
Okay. Hmm. Um, and that felt kind of fair to our employees. But equally, as Sandra says, it's open to interpretation. Okay. What we've also done in terms of our uh, colleagues as well is we've said, even though you might be caught by a cap at two and a half thousand pounds, for those with basics that are higher, we will basically go to 90% of the higher figure. So that's something we're doing as, as an employer. But again, I appreciate not everybody is in the financial position they can make that decision. One of the challenges, though, as well, which I'll be interested in, Sandra, is uh, around the issue of incoming employees and ex-employees, because, of course, there are a number of people who are left in no man's land right now. So we have decided, again, as a good employer, to pay people who joined us post the 28th of February uh, the full £2,500, and equally the same as what we're doing for our other employees to 90%. It's, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's the seven-figure sum, quite frankly, what we're doing for the group. Now, of course, there is open to interpretation around well, what do you do with exit points. Again, the government has said it's the discretion of its employers. And I think what I would say is it's quite difficult um, for employers to make some of these judgments because as Sandra's absolutely described there, you could have three or four different versions related to one particular area of guidance. So uh, I'm really glad, Sandra, that you raised that because it is very difficult for employers right now to, to make some of these tough decisions. Um, absolutely. I, I certainly don't envy the position, especially everybody up and down the country in payroll trying to decide what, what's going to be paid and not paid. Um, there is a little bit of good news on, on that front. Um, there was a meeting of um, senior HMRC representatives yesterday with a parliamentary uh, select committee. And questions were asked on furlough scheme and in particular when the online portal was going to be uh, open. And it was confirmed they were all open on the 20th of April. So that's uh, good news. And also uh, they confirmed that the intention is to refund um, to pay back the claims within four to six working days with the first payments anticipated to be made on the 30th of April. So that's good news for those who are struggling with cash flow. Um, uh, so just make sure that you've got your, your eggs in order, make sure the payroll's got all the information that you need to uh, make that claim in time. Um, there's another piece of good news, which is you can uh, put in your claim up to 14 days before your monthly payroll period uh, is up, so your normal payroll uh, period would be a run. So there's you know, that will help you. And hopefully by the time you pay your staff, you will have got the money back from uh, HMRC. Um, the other thing is HMRC is going to issue some guidance next week uh, to employers on how to make their claims. So hopefully uh, that will explain what information you need to take into account when deciding what is within the 80 percent i'm not sure whether if it goes that far but it might uh, so um we will obviously um uh, be keeping an eye on that and as soon as it comes out we'll let people know but um keep an eye out for that guidance hopefully we'll give some more information on you know what what do you actually use for a salesperson that's a big it's a big question it can make it a big difference as to what you can claim back on what you're obliged to pay as more information is revealed, of course, you know, we'll keep you updated through Auto Retail Live. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, you can uh, sign up on the website for the news alerts. Um, our time has come to a close. And I would like to say a very big thank you to you for joining us. Uh, thank you to our guests. Uh, we had uh, Sandra Martins, Head of Employment at Radius Law. Um, Stuart Buckley, the founder of CallTrack, Jeremy Evans, the founder of Marketing Delivery, um, and Dash Gupta, the chief executive of Marshall Motor Group. Thank you for joining us. Uh, whilst we're coping in this lockdown period, it's great to have your comments, and we hope we've been helpful. We'll be back with more in a fortnight. In the meantime, have yourself a great Easter, and I'm going to work out how to use these clippers on my hair. All the best. <laughs> <laughs>